We're right at quorum. It's up to you if you want to get us going or want to wait a little bit. Well, I don't know of anyone who has firmly said they won't be able to attend. So I think we're good with the numbers we have. Uh, so I'm going to call this meeting to order. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being in attendance today. Uh, first things first, uh, Serena, we have to go through rules of engagement and uh, roll call. Okay. All right. Uh, my name is Serena Pearson. I'm a marketing specialist with Lawrence Transit. Um, and here with me is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager, and uh, he will work alongside Mike Wazikowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Adam and myself will facilitate the Zoom portion of the meeting. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access channel, Cable Channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking on the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you're not participating, it's okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If, you're, if you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between Speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to PTAC Chair Mike Wazikowski. Do you want me to go ahead and do roll call? Yes, please. Let's go through. All right. Let's go ahead and do roll call. All right. Lance Fay. Here. Max, Max Schieber. Mike Wazikowski. Present. Nick Kuzmiak. Alan Acklin. Here. Gregory Critchlow. Here. Bill Wilson. August Rudisell. Here. Freddie Gibb. Here. Here, okay. That's six present, three absent. Thank you, Serena. Uh, first item on the agenda is public comment. And I'll note the agenda does not have any uh, letters linked. And only other question then is, is there anyone in the city commission room seeking to comment? Uh, looks from the picture, that's a big no, I'm guessing. There's not. Okay. Uh, seeing no public comment, we will proceed to the minutes, which were uh, linked under agenda item C. So uh, I hope everyone has had an opportunity to review the minutes from uh, July's meet or August's meeting. Um, as always, I'll ask for amendments three times and then we'll approve by unanimous consent. 
So uh, for those of us committee members present, does anyone have any amendments to offer? Second call, does anyone have any amendments to offer to the minutes? Last call, any amendments to offer? Okay, hearing none, we approve the minutes by unanimous consent. Thank you uh, for assembling those for us city staff. The first item on the formal agenda then is a debrief of the uh, multimodal transfer facility project based on the uh, city commission meeting that we held the third week of August. This is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. So I wanted to talk through a little bit of content uh, coming out of the August 17th city commission meeting related to the multimodal transfer facility project. Let me bring up just a few quick slides here. Okay, so we'll talk through uh, where we're headed for the primary site out at Bob Billings and Crestline and the secondary transfer area downtown. So the uh, concept number four, which this group did recommend to the city commission be advanced, uh, was advanced on August 17th. So I do have that concept um, available if anyone has more further questions about it or we can look at it if, if people need a reminder. Um, we, are, uh, we have actually already finalized the design agreement with Wendell, so we're on to uh, the remaining work for that, um, which is essentially finalizing design through the rest of this year getting ready to bid out contracts um, in anticipation of construction next year. We are still working with the KU Joint Coordinating Committee to um, figure out the details related to the land itself um, and how we uh, create an agreement so that the city has uh, full ability to use that land as needed. Um, the, the agreement itself is going to mirror pretty closely what the city and the university did with uh, fire station on the southeast corner of 19th and Iowa. Um, so it's a land swap essentially um, that allows allows the city to um, have a city building on uh, KU endowment land is actually how it will ultimately be. We do have a public art component to the project and the RFQ was uh, has been out for about the last month. It just closed, so we're getting together um, our review team to look at the proposals we got. And hopefully um, that sort of work goes through the Cultural Arts Commission. Um, so we'll work through them to get someone selected. Uh, likely an artist will be on board um, late October, early November. So we'll start plugging them in with our design team. Um, the art component of the project is pretty wide open. Um, I think a lot of people envision, you know, something as simple as um, statue art or some uh, kind of separate piece of art at the facility out of Bob Belanson Crestline. It could be a lot of other things. It could be components that are integral to the building itself. Um, you know, certain building materials, wall materials, uh, glass etching, um, educational materials about the history of the land. It could be, a, it could be a, 
a wide number of things. So um, we're, we're leaving that pretty open and um, we'll start reviewing the proposals we got in from artists to um, kind of see what that creativity looks like. But that process, um, like I mentioned, we'll go through the Cultural Arts Commission. They'll help vet um, what we received and how that selection process goes. I can come back to Bob Billings if there are questions. Um, downtown is now on a different track than, than the Bob Billings and Crestline site. Uh, we were not able to advance a concept at the August 17th meeting. Um, there were remaining concerns about site selection downtown. So um, what we need to do is some additional scoping and outreach for how we get to site selection for that work. Um, what I'm calling here the first phase and the second phase is what we generally imagine to be how we approach this next phase of work downtown with the first phase being um, not looking at individual sites at all and really only looking at um, the criteria we will use to evaluate sites, as well as defining a firm geographic boundary um, that we define as the downtown area that will will only select sites within that boundary. So um, likely the rest of this calendar year will be spent, uh, at least maybe a little longer, will be spent on that process, having a, um, a, a wide variety of public input opportunities and collaboration opportunities to figure out um, how we can come to an agreement on the criteria we will use to select a site. Next spring, summer is when we'll apply that criteria to sites within that area um, using some of the guidance we got from city commission in August, but also um, using what the community helps to find for us the rest of this fall. So uh, like I mentioned in the timeline, we're looking at the first phase, uh, the scope of that, we're trying to get to commission in October so that we can get to work on that piece of the project. Um, we'll do the actual site selection work in the spring, summer of next year and bring back concepts through MMTC, PTAC and city commission in uh, summer, fall of 2022. So uh, more or less the downtown portion of uh, what we're trying to do with improved transit facilities has been shifted about a year, likely. Um, so looking at construction in spring of summer of 2023. Hey, Adam, this is August with I was not able to watch that commission meeting. Did the commissioners present any concerns or was it primarily uh, public comment from downtown business owners? Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. Um, I think we heard concerns from both downtown business owners and commissioners. I think there um, continues to be concern about impacts to parking and well-utilized parking areas. Um, we had a few of our guiding principles validated um, or confirmed that, you know, we, we do desire to have this transfer facility uh, downtown in the core of downtown. So in general, New Hampshire and Vermont, 6th Street to South Park is, is generally where the, the community and the commission desire for this to occur. Um, you know, there was some discussion about Kentucky Street and, you know, slightly outside of that bound, which is why that's, that's part of what we want to spend the next time on is really having discussion to define that. So we, um, we come back with something that's successful. 
so that was validated. I think we heard that there, there really wasn't a strong desire for us to look at private property because of the additional cost it would take to do that. Um, there was there was some openness to that, so we'll need to kind of turn over all of those stones on uh, private property in the area and and truly understand the cost or or if it's even feasible for us to do that type of thing. Um, at the meeting, there was discussion around uh, the little used parking lot at Central Bank of the Midwest off of Kentucky Street, and we heard the next day from them that that. Uh, they did not desire to sell us that property. So I think that's the type of process we'll have to go through with a lot of these, these private properties to figure out, first of all, if, if owners are even willing to sell it to us, and if so, how much would that be? So that can be part of the process. Um, you know, we, we got confirmation that a, a transfer facility, you know, a hard transfer point where there are five uh, buses that layover at the same time to facilitate transfers. We got confirmation that that is an important thing for the community. And that, uh, you know, just having like a single bus stop where there's, where it doesn't really facilitate timed transfers is, is not really something that, um, that we're hearing the community wants us to look at. So those are some of the highlights, I guess, on um, some of the things we heard that, that we wanna keep as part of the discussion, but also need to continue to flesh out really what the what the pain points are and what we need to avoid. Um, I guess I'll mention one other thing we heard that was different was some willingness to explore changing street patterns to gain physical space for the amount of pedestrian platform and bus bays we need. So the idea of a two-way street becoming a one-way street, uh, was, there was some openness to that. Um, the complete closure of streets was met with a little more resistance, although I think we'll explore that more thoroughly to, to kind of have options that are that fully encompass the bounds of what people are and aren't comfortable with so that we can um, so we can decide what 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 stays in and what goes out when we start analyzing all these sites. So hopefully that answers some some of what you were looking for. Um, Happy to answer any other questions. Adam, do you mind if I hop in since I'm, I was in the meeting as well? Sure. Uh, so some of the things that I recall uh, people discussing were in particular, the a lot of the complaints that people had about the preference we uh, stayed in terms of supporting the location between 8th and 9th Street on Vermont uh, was the fact that it would chew up parking in what mo most of the business owners who uh, spoke at the city commission meeting said was the single most important parking lot in the, the uh, downtown area for their businesses. Um, a number of people brought up, you know, the fact that there's a parking garage just to the south of uh, the public library that would is most of the time not completely full and provides a lot of parking for people. And the sense I got from people who spoke was there's a lot of, there are a lot of people who will not walk further than is necessary to reach a business in the downtown area. And that really puts a cramp on where we can put a uh, bus loop, bus transfer location. So, yeah. In terms of the one way uh, street discussion, 
that I agree that that was something that people were willing to investigate, but I also got the sense that as soon as people realized that converting the 700 to 800 block of Vermont to one way means that we're going to have to completely redesign how that street is set up as a whole, because as you know, 600 to 700 on Vermont street is one way coming South. So there's not a real good way to make the 700 to 800 block, in my opinion, one way without lining it up to be the same direction. And that would run completely counter to the direction that we have our buses going right now. So, yeah, I think that's all I uh, had to say on that in particular. This is Al Ackland, the PTAC member. Uh, Adam, I guess I was under the impression that most of the, well, th that all of the choices uh, for both the new uh, facility and the downtown changes that, that the commission had, had already seen those. Uh, so I was surprised to hear these recommendations they came up with at the meeting, but uh, I guess I just made the assumption that they'd already seen that information. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, so certainly, I mean, a lot of the solicitation of what the community thought about um, about site selection and about these concepts was public. Uh, there, there are challenges with um, with commissioners being able to engage in that discussion outside of a city commission meeting. So there hadn't been another prior city commission meeting for them to discuss amongst each other these concepts. They certainly could have observed and watched that the process because we made all that public and you know posted recordings of meetings and things like that along the way, um, but had not had a meeting opportunity along that way to get their, get their thoughts and feedback um, until August 17th. So we were really trying to vet, you know, a lot of, a lot of the times as things go before city commission, we try to vet that through our advisory boards as a way to get, get out some of that discussion and, and um, have them see the different sides of an issue. So the, the attempt in this project and in many others that the city does was to try to foster that discussion in PTAC and Multimodal Transportation Commission. And, and by the time it gets to them, uh, there's some understanding of the issue and, and uh, kind of the, the arguments on both sides of it. Now, I guess I'll build on that and say that'll certainly, um, I mean, we, we want, downtown improvements that work for everyone. So, so we have to, in this next phase of work, we really have to think about a number of different ways we engage the community at large, commissioners, downtown businesses. Um, we'll have to be creative in our, uh, in our public engagement plan, that package, and on how we get everyone at the table in a way that gets us towards towards something that will be successful. Hey, Kuzmiak, P-Tech. Adam, I was wondering if you could comment on the, um, I guess, previous public engagement, because I believe the way that you described it to city commission and also to us in various other meetings is that I think transit staff like personally visited almost all the businesses from 7th to 8th Street on the west side of Massachusetts to like hand delivered notifications and try to ask them about stuff. So I was kind of amazed when people at the city commission meeting said, oh, we had no idea about that. And no one I know has gotten any information whatsoever. 
So, I mean, I want to believe staff at this point, but I guess I wonder, are there any lessons learned from that that, that we can use to potentially avoid that, um, I guess, accusation in the future? Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I think that, um, so when it came to trying to get more engagement, you know, I, I mentioned to this group that we had tried to do a number of uh, virtual Zoom meetings to engage downtown businesses dating back to March and April and had really not been happy with the level of engagement we got through that. So that was that was part of the impetus of us trying to figure out in June, we, we have to do something else. How do we how do we get this more in front of people um, to, to inspire some discussion? Uh, in, in just physically walking into a few downtown businesses to ask them how they would recommend engagement happen. One of the historical things that was brought up was, um, I know there were some challenges faced by businesses on the 800 block of Massachusetts who did not feel very informed when the pedestrian canopy was being taken down behind, behind their business uh, businesses. And part of that criticism was that uh, information about that project was mailed to property owners. And then that information did not get to, in, in some cases did not get to business owners and renters of those spaces. So what we heard from the few businesses we talked to was that, you know, to reach the, the people who are there working every day, you, you should walk in and give, give us something. <laughs> so that, that was the approach we took, um, you know, to, to print postcards and walk in every door that was open and try to give it to somebody who was the manager or supervisor or could get it to those people and, and there's a certain amount of trust that that happens once you hand that card to, to whoever you're able to talk to. Um, I think that moving forward, we'll probably, you know, the next level that we could go to is to do that and also mail to every property owner. Cause I know we did hear from some property owners that, that said they weren't notified and, and they're correct that we didn't do direct mailers to, to them through this process. We, we did direct handoffs to people in working in the buildings who we thought would be most affected. So I think that's a different angle we can take is to try to do both. And, and perhaps that gets to more people. Thanks for the explanation. That makes more sense because I thought when you were saying that you would hand delivered, you know, notifications to, to everybody, that sounds like it would reach everybody who would actually be affected in person. Whereas it, absentee property owner may not be affected quite as much. So yeah, it does seem like maybe the better holistic approach would just be to do everything budget and, you know, uh, within budgetary constraints that is. So glad to hear that things are still improving on that front. Thanks. This is Mike Wazikowski. Um, so we're talking about changing the assumptions for the most part of what we consider to be acceptable locations inside of this. So like expanding the geographic boundary. Um, are there any other assumptions that uh, you're willing to change going into this next one to make sure that we get more uh, sites uh, screened in as possibilities? So Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. I think that's exactly, so 
So we're really, what I want to do is not make any assumptions. I want to, we want to build with the community what our site selection criteria are. And I think we, we thought that building upon the 2018 work and the, the 500 people who engaged with us in that process helped us define that. And I think what we found out that there's still not agreement and definition of what's guiding site selection. So um, from a staff side, I mean, we, cert- we have to have a certain amount of room for five buses to get in and out. We need, we need those buses to be close to each other. They can't be spread out. So where transfers are not um, able to be facilitated uh, has to be safe, has to have the amenities that we have planned on. So covering from the elements for passengers, uh, sawtooth bus bays, because that we know that creates consistency in transit operations. Um, that's, that's very important and that we don't have now. So there's certain things that we'll certainly um, talk about being very important criteria to consider, but uh, we, along with the consultant, are certainly not going to be the ones defining the geographic boundary. We're not going to be defining some of these other important criteria. We'll, we're going to do that in a collaborative way with, with the people involved in the process, because um, I think that's the only way we, we reach commission with something that's um, that kind of has community backing behind it. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, city staff or the consultants to define those assumptions. I just meant more from the aspect of the assumptions that we made in the first go around. What are things that we're willing to change now going into this new redefinition? Uh, In particular, one of them I think we need to reconsider is the budget that, you know, if we have no choice but to consider possibilities of purchasing private property to house a transfer location downtown. We don't really have a choice but to increase the budget to be able to account for that. I mean, the option that we picked for downtown with that or for the August meeting, that was already stretching our budget to the limit. So we need to have a little bit more flexibility. And that's mainly what I want to know is what kinds of things are we willing to consider differently from this first process to make the second one work better? Yeah, those are, those are great questions. Um, Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. I think budget's tricky. I mean, we've, we've got, we don't have a ton of room to flex. I do have on this slide AIC update. We unfortunately have not heard back from the state on the access innovation and collaboration grants yet. Uh, we expected to hear that before the end of August, um, but we're uh, on the edge of our seats still. But there is um, more than a million, close to a million and a half that we asked for for downtown improvements through that. So that would have a big impact whether or not we're able to secure those funds on what sort of flexibility we might have. Um, you know, there, there are, uh, there are transit funds that we continue to program for what we believe are the most, uh, the highest and best use of those funds for transit operations and dipping into those more could be an option. I don't know that staff would recommend use of those funds, several million dollars for a a private site if there's alternatives. Um, 
so that that's the type of thing where you know we'll, we'll probably need some additional direction if 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 general funds come into the mix you know if, if the city is willing to commit funds from other areas um, to help procure a private site perhaps that changes things i think um I'll, I'll be very interested to see how how the process moves moves along for defining that geographic boundary. I think uh, we're, we are pretty challenged for this discussion around centrality and um, and priority of having short walking distances for transit users. If if we cannot, there, there wasn't much consideration of the other to parking lot sites uh, that were part of the downtown options either. So um, my opinion is we're likely moving out, you know, we're likely beyond New Hampshire and Vermont unless unless we find some way to change street patterns to keep us within that that area. Um, but I think that's an area we'll be will be challenged um, is where, where's a a good, really long-term place to put a stake in the ground for for transit operations for now and, and long into the future. Um, uh, you know, there, there are certainly limits to that, and we want to make sure what we do now doesn't set us up for inconvenience. Um, you know, not for for transit passengers for a long time. Does anybody else have any questions? For city staff, so this is super late. I don't know why I just thought it was, has Greyhound offered any input on what they need to do or what they need to make the Trent downtown transit facility work as far as a public transfer spot? So Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. So discussions with Greyhound through the project um, have led to us uh, providing space for them at the primary facility site out at Bob Billings and Crestline. We have a couple of regional bays out there that they will be able to utilize. And um, they're, they're actually quite excited about that. They uh, educated us somewhat that a lot of their ridership is university students. Um, and, and that site at Bob Billings and Crestline will actually be a closer connection for a lot of people that use the service. Now there's certainly still going to be a lot of frequent service uh, we anticipate between downtown, the university, and uh, and the Bob Billings Crestline hub. So there will still be that access if, if people need to reach the, the Greyhound from downtown, but they're, they're pretty interested in being out along that, you know, close to Iowa Street's a, a real easy, um, a easier way for them to drive in and out off of I-70 than what they currently do now and having to navigate some of the downtown area. Are there any other questions for city staff on the uh, next steps for the transfer facility? Okay, uh, thank you very much for uh, presenting that information to us, Adam. I know that uh, going in front of that murder board with the city commission is not easy. Okay, uh, next item on the agenda is uh, discussion about mobile fare payment. Uh, so I believe you have a uh, briefing and or video to share with us. 
Yes, uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So we are moving along with the mobile fare payment project. And I provided a couple of links on the agenda. And the first one is a uh, how, how-to video, essentially, from Token Transit, the agency or the company we're working with. So I will do my best to share this so everyone can hear it. Michael asked you to give me a thumbs up towards the beginning if, if you're able to hear the sound when I start this. Token Transit is an app in which you can buy bus passes and board the bus using your phone. To get started, you type in your phone number, agree to the terms, and you'll be sent a text message. You type in a six-digit code that you receive in the text message, and then you're logged in to the app. If you agree to share your location with the Token Transit app, then your local transit agency will come up as your default. You can change agency by clicking on top, and we'll select Big Blue Bus. From there, you can select your rider type, and select your fare type, and then confirm the choice and confirm and purchase. This will then charge my credit card and the pass will be available for use under my stored passes. When I'm ready to use the pass, I can tap to use the single ride pass, confirm that I'm ready to use, and then up will pop the ticket that I'll show to the bus driver when I'm boarding the bus. This is your visual ticket and the bus driver will know what to expect off the ticket. On the upper right, you can press hide, and then you can see how much time you have left on your token transit pass. You can always buy more passes, and you can access your payment history and contact for help. Enjoy riding with token transit. Okay, so I guess the first question is, we unfortunately couldn't hear any sound in here. Were you hearing sound on your end? Yes, okay. or at least so that, I was. That's just fine. Um, so one of the things, and I'll bring up a short presentation now, one of the, um, the things to note with that, uh, that how-to video is the platform has changed a little bit and um, I think we found the, the script in that video isn't, isn't perfect <laughs> for, um, um, for explaining things clearly and, and cleanly. So I think we hope to, um, to try to do something a little more localized, uh, which is what I have here. So I'll show you, we've set up a, um, We've, we've got like a beta account where we can test, uh, we can do trial runs of, of purchasing passes through our system. There's still some details to be worked out, but I just did a screen record on my phone um, to show what it would look like for someone to purchase a pass um, here in Lawrence. So in this case, I'm just using the Token Transit app. Um, I have, uh, at this time, I had purchased a number of fares just to test these out. And 
I unfortunately already had one activated before I decided to do this tutorial video on how to buy and use a pass. So I'll describe what that means after I get going here. But on this screen, you know, I've, I've got a couple of passes um, as well as some stored passes. And, and what I'm purchasing here is um, a reduced, I believe I use a reduced or a regular 10 ride pass, which is essentially mirrors our current 10 ride punch card in paper form. So um, since you can't see my cursor while I'm actually using this, um, I, I moved to purchase one of those uh, or to use one of those stored passes. It asked me if I would like to activate it. So um, it says, if I activate it now, you can see it gives me um, the pass being valid for an hour. Adam, can I ask a real quick question? I'm sorry, because that was one of my concerns was you bought this before today, it looks like, and you can wait to activate until, let does say right now, is that correct? That is true. Yeah. So if you purchase any of these passes, they, they kind of go to this virtual wallet almost, and you don't have to, you activate them right before you want to use them. Okay. That was one of my concerns was customers who are only using Wi-Fi without cellular data on their cell phones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so in this case, I, I go ahead and activate the pass. It pops up what the pass looks like to a uh, passenger using it. So someone would hold this up to the driver. I'm just going to pause it so I can talk about the different components. Um, so you can see it's got our logo. I'm asking if that can be a little bigger. You've got the concentric ring that moves. Um, so that's part of uh, what makes it challenging to just do a screenshot. This time is also ticking. And you've got the date here. So you know, the, the bus operator is going to look at, is this today's date? Is the time the correct time? Um, and is this moving? That's, that's their, their top three things they look at to, to tell, is this a real pass? Is this a pass that's not somebody recording a short video or taking a screenshot on their phone? Um, in this case, I had mentioned that I had already had another ticket activated. So you see a big banner here that says two tickets. Um, this actually is a good example of something that we do see with some frequency on buses where uh, one person might be showing fare for themselves as well as someone they're with, it'd be a friend or a family member. Um, sometimes one person uses a 10 ride punch card for two people and they get two punches for themselves and the other person they're with. So this is the digital version of that. Um, and it, it shows that there's two tickets as they show this to the operator, which means they could let two people in using this pass. This is also the space where um, if someone was using a reduced fare pass um, or something that required identification, um, it would have a banner here that would, that would indicate that that extra identification was needed. So, um, you know, if someone needs to show their uh, Medicare card or TLIF certification card to, to, or um, Haskell student ID to, to verify that they are eligible for reduced fare, um, it would indicate to the operator, operator that they need to double check that. 
I guess I'll mention on this screen also, the way we're setting this up is um, for these passes to be valid for one hour. That matches the same uh, duration that a paper single ride ticket is uh, valid for people to transfer between buses. Um, our, our longest routes being about uh, 30 minutes out to the end of the line, an hour is long enough to let you transfer to another bus without having to pay again. So again, trying to match the digital um, to what we do with paper right now. So this, this is it activated. You'll see that I go ahead and I close this ticket. Eventually you did, I think. Um, as I close it, it still shows, you know, in this case, I've got two tickets that are active for 59 minutes and 57 minutes. So I can just tap on these to reopen it back up if I need to show the bus operator again. Um, or if I'm doing that transfer, you know, 30 minutes later, I can, I can pull it up and show it to them. Let me run through a couple other things and then I'm happy to circle back with, with questions. Um, one of the uh, areas we're really interested in is how, how this platform can operate across the different applications people use when they are navigating our system. So token is, um, is what they call app agnostic, which means that they don't really care if people are using their app. Um, they, they need to have an app um, in, in case there are some, some instances where where certain trip planning apps don't work with them. Um, so, so people certainly do use it as a standalone app. But one of the, the reasons we went this direction is because of the integration with other trip planning apps. Um, so if you're using Google Transit app or Move It, uh, you can do your trip planning um, and not have to leave that app to pay for your ticket. Uh, I actually was at a conference in St. Louis this last week and got to try this very thing. Um, and in that case, I used Transit app to navigate my, um, you know, find out what bus and train I needed to use. And then right at the bottom, it asked me, uh, you know, prompted me to, to purchase a fare. And I was able to do that within the app and not have to download something new or, or go outside to figure that out. I mentioned Double Map here. Double Map is our current um, app that we promote. It's uh, My Bus Lawrence is the white label branding of that. Uh, that app um, does not have trip planning capabilities like A to B trip planning. It does have real time bus information that you can look at. Um, and in that case, uh, unfortunately, the Token Transit app doesn't function within um, within the app itself. They have what's called a deep link, which essentially um, when you're in the double map app, it just allows you to link out to token transit if you want to purchase fare. So uh, it's a way to link those two things together if, if the full functionality isn't there. But we're very interested in this and how people can, how we can make it easy across what people are already using um, for them to pay to get on the bus if needed. A few of uh, key benefits, there's, there's, there's a number of benefits beyond this, but some of the um, top of mind ones are the fact that this is an additional option for passengers. 
So there certainly will remain the ability for people to purchase paper fares and use cash. Um, but this is one more way that people can access the system um, if they find it challenging to get to the grocery store to purchase paper fare or to find exact change to use. I think both passengers and operators um, will notice a lot of value in the elimination of paper transfer activity. So currently, if someone wants to transfer from one route to another, um, they need to approach the bus operator as they're leaving one bus and going to the other and ask them to hand write them uh, a paper transfer slip. Um, you know, this obviously adds extra time for both the passenger and the bus operator. Um, it's just additional process. And with the electronic fares, people can just use the pass that's valid for an hour and they don't have to um, spend that extra time getting the paper transfer slip. There are some unique opportunities with uh, electronically sending passes. So we work a lot with social service agencies who are providing passes to their clients. Um, and in some cases, um, probably not all cases, but in some cases, it would be very convenient for those agencies to be able to just electronically send a bus pass to, um, to someone who needs it uh, rather than go through the process of procuring a paper pass. Um, so that won't work for all agencies and every uh, person if they don't have a, a smartphone, but I think we do see that there will be some, some people where that really uh, relieves some of the process it takes now to, to get paper passes into the hands of people who need them. A couple of other pieces of functionality, uh, fare capping and rolling 31-day pass. Um, we have some work to, to figure out on how those ideas work with our paper system. We don't want to create um, inequities based on the if you're able to use the digital fare or not. So we're, we're trying to figure out the, the right way to, to take advantage of these, these benefits um, of the digital space, but, um, but not unfairly uh, not offer that option to, to people who are using paper passes or cash. So there are, I think, some avenues for us to do that, but we need to have some additional discussions with Token to figure that out. Um, fair, capping, fair capping, just to explain that a little bit, is the idea that um, you know, there are some people who cannot afford to upfront pay for a monthly pass. Um, so even at reduced fare monthly pass at $34 just might not be something someone can accumulate all at once, but they can purchase, uh, they have enough money for one trip at a time. What that can sometimes result in is towards the end of a given month, um, someone who just may not have the upfront cash ends up paying more than $34 over the course of a month as they're paying $1 at a time. So um, in this digital space, there's fare capping, which essentially prevents someone from ever paying uh, more than the best price. Um, so if someone's about to buy their 35th single ride ticket, the app will stop them and say, you've already spent the equivalent of a monthly pass. Um, you know, the rest of your trips this month are free until, until the next trip starts. It, it caps your fare at, at kind of the best deal for you. Um, I'm sorry, because I used the bus, the monthly fare. Like, can you repeat that? If you ended up inadvertently buying enough passes to warrant a monthly pass, it just automatically rolls <laughs> over? 
yes, it, it prompts you and says, you know, you have, yeah, you, you have reached this cap. Um, and, you know, we, we won't allow you to buy any more fare. Use this monthly pass instead because you've, you've reached your, um, the cap and we want you to get the best deal. So that's really uh, awesome because there have been months where I inadvertently spend more than what a monthly pass was, not knowing I would benefit from having a monthly pass ahead of time. So that's really awesome. Right. So we're trying to, we're just trying to navigate the best way to take advantage of that, um, that really great option while still um, figuring out what that means for people who don't have a smartphone and, and can't tap into this. So it's, it's always a balance of how, to, how do we leverage the best tools in our tool belt, but do it in a way that um, is equitable. And I, I believe Token has uh, a couple different ideas for us. We just have to explore those a little bit. Okay, and I'll just mention a couple other things. Um, this, this particular platform, well, I think we're getting some feedback. Um, okay, this particular platform is used by um, more than 140 agencies across the U.S. and Canada, so that that's pretty exciting for us as well. It's used by some regional uh, agencies. Um, nearby Kansas City, uh, Manhattan uses it. So just the idea that um, we can start limiting all the different apps and payment platforms people have to use in the area to navigate is a really exciting thing. Um, you know, the idea that someone can be using this system in another city and travel here and seamlessly um, use it here in Lawrence as well is, is just one other thing we can do to make accessing transit easier. Lastly, there are um, there is the functionality to do multimodal trip payment. So we won't initially be able to take advantage of this uh, because we don't have uh, bike share, scooter share uh, in the area currently. But in the event that we do in the future, um, uh, some of those trip planning apps that I mentioned, uh, Google Transit, Move It, you can plan multimodal trips and you can pay across different agencies using token transit in a, in a seamless way. So we're pretty excited about that possibility as well. Just setting ourselves up to be flexible as, um, as we try to encourage these different multimodal trips to happen. A little bit about the timeline. Um, this has probably shifted a little bit. We were, we were trying to get this out before the end of September. Um, I think we've, slowed down a little bit, trying to get uh, some info back from Token. I think we're definitely into October now for deployment, but we're still pushing for that. Um, I list some of the different areas we want to spend some time working on and just making sure we're very comfortable with before we go live. I had mentioned some of the equity considerations, just what's, what's the environment for people with smartphones without, and um, how are we treating that in the best way we can? Certainly want to make sure operators are comfortable with what they're going to see um, from the public and if they need to help people navigate how this stuff is used. I mentioned not being completely happy with the tutorial videos that are already set up. Um, uh, so we need to spend a little time uh, doing some customization for uh, showing people exactly you know, what they need to know here in Lawrence. And then obviously just having a little time for, for testing on the back end. Um, so that we're comfortable with how it's working. 
So that is where we're at with mobile fares. Happy to answer other thoughts or questions about that. This is Mike Wozikowski. The only thing I would point out is I'm not sure that the tutorial video and what we've talked about, to me, it's pretty explanatory. I can figure out how to do the transfer thing, but I think it would be helpful to have a tutorial that's specifically like focused on you want to make a point to point trip and one where, hey, I want to make a transfer to get to my destination instead. Um, I've I get the sense that it's possible some people would activate their card as soon as they bought it, and then they would wait for their transfer at the location and find their passes expired. And you know, we're trying to avoid people having to spend more money by fare capping. So it makes sense that we would provide them a means to understand how to take that trip without having to buy another token. Adam Michael, Transit and Parking Manager. Those those are great points. And yeah, I think we've we've started to look to there are other agencies, of course, that have rolled this out and they have done their own version of training videos. So we've been watching some of those to see how they present the information um, and have learned a couple of things that are not in the stock token transit video that I think we'll we will try to employ. Thank you, Adam. Uh, does anyone else have any questions about the mobile fare payment? Well, hearing none, uh, sounds like we all like the idea and me, I, I look forward to us actually being able to deploy it. Uh, it seems kind of silly that we have to use solely paper passes up to this point. So kudos on figuring this out. Next item on the agenda is an update on the uh, Kansas State Access Innovation and Collaboration Grants. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. This will be pretty short. I thought for sure we would hear something by now, uh, but we have not. Um, so the, the state um, let us know that right towards the end of August, they weren't gonna be able to meet the deadline of, of getting us in information about awards by the end of August. Um, I, I thought within a couple of weeks we would have heard something, but are still waiting. So I do hope to share that information with you all as soon as we get it. Um, but uh, just briefly, this is, you know, we submitted five different applications to the state. There, uh, a few of those applications combined a number of different ideas. So there were actually around 15 unique projects we were uh, seeking funds for. Um, we feel pretty hopeful that we'll get something, but we're, we're just not sure what. So uh, we'll keep you all on the loop um, as soon as we hear something from KDOT. Okay, thank you. Um, seeing that there's nothing really else on that agenda item, we'll proceed. Uh, next is, bucket is PTAC member items. So uh, I know we have uh, route redesign study, but first, does anyone have anything that they want to bring up now? or uh, add on to agenda for a future meeting? Yeah, this is PTAC member Freddie Gipp. Um, Adam, do you think, when do you think we can circle back to the conversation of like the, the art, but for the bus design? 
I know we briefly talked about that and we haven't talked about it since then, but do you think that is that something to consider in that with the Lawrence Art Commission or what would that transpire as? So Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, are we talking about, so we have a um, still early in the process of, of joint branding discussion with KU on how we create a system that has got like a unified look to it. Yeah. Um, is that what we're discussing or something else related to uh, it was remember I talked about the 1% of the public art for the police station. And then I talked about, could something be set aside in regards for like indigenous artists and the buses or whoever, just that kind of conversation. I, I don't want to take too much time, but. No, that's a good discussion. Um, so Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager, the, um, so the percent for art program. So that applies to, um, um, like facility projects that the city does. Um, so that is what we're employing with the, the multimodal transfer facility project. And that's the, um, I had mentioned the RFQ that just closed recently. So we'll have to look at the different artists that submitted, um, submitted their applications and work through that. Um, I would hope and expect there to be perhaps some artists within that who um, are representative of, of indigenous culture here in the area. Um, I, I think we do hope to see some of that. Um, as far as the the buses themselves, we have not, um, I mean, we haven't done, it, it's been a while before my time when we did, you know, a specific project to get some Van Gogh art on the side of one of the buses. But we have, we've, um, as far as the artwork on the buses, we've been trying to, you know, create kind of consistent branding through that. We haven't yet discussed kind of what it would look like to have a more artistic program through that and, and how that might be funded. Um, so I'm interested, I guess, to um, know a little more, would it be, uh, I guess, are there some, some um, example agencies or areas where we've kind of seen this, this thing before that we would. Well, probably this is PTAC number Freddie Gip. Uh, that was just kind of something to consider in the future. Um, not anything immediate. I just seeing as, time progresses and everything kind of moves forward, this would be an interesting project to kind of undertake. Okay, absolutely. That's it, that's all I have. Thanks, Freddie. Uh, do any other PTAC members have uh, things they'd like to bring up now or add to a future main agenda? Okay. Uh, remember, if you do have items, feel free to email uh, Lance, Adam, and myself before the end of the month. We will definitely take your ideas into consideration when we are constructing the agenda for the following month's meeting. Uh, next item, then, is an update from uh, August Russell and Freddie Gipp on the route redesign study. Uh, what do you have to tell us about the uh, study going on, guys? Hello, August Rudisell. Uh, for the route redesign, we just did the KU side of the city transit system. Um, we went over each route individually, went over ridership, went over ideas and changes that we had or questions that we had. And it was just as productive as the city side. I learned a lot about the KU buses since I'm not super familiar with them. Um, I learned how many exactly KU buses there were, which was really interesting too. So but we're getting closer to having a solid idea of what our routes are going to be. 
Freddie, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, it was just what August said. They were just going through the strength, weakness, and opportunity of each route that was connected to the university. And then um, that was pretty much it. Okay, thank you. Um, I do have one question. Um, what are we looking at in terms of timetable for being able to see examples of what these new routes might look like? Do you have any idea on that? Great segue. So uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So that is the next step. So as August and Freddie said, we've spent some time kind of critiquing each route, what's good and bad about it, what might be some opportunities. And now the consultant is starting to, to piece those opportunities together into scenarios. So the next, um, the next uh, route redesign steering committee meeting here in a couple of weeks will focus on um, what we heard out of the survey and outreach component. Um, so we've got a lot of information coming forward with that. You know, there are all those trade-off questions between are, are people willing to, uh, are, are they interested in Sunday service if it means we have to reduce service elsewhere? Are we interested in greater frequency along certain routes if it means we have maybe routes that go fewer places? Um, so we've learned a lot of interesting things through that, and, and I think the consultant will have some um, a lot of good data to share that will help guide kind of what direction we go down. Shortly following that, we'll uh, we'll be scheduling a route redesign steering committee meeting, uh, kind of off schedule, just about a week later, with some of those those scenario drafts, so that the committee can have a look at it before we start taking things um, to the public in. October. So October is the goal um, to get a lot of input from uh, people at the universities here in town that are still in session as well as the general public and start getting feedback on uh, two different scenarios, um, ultimately leading towards one final scenario that, that will probably merge the best components of each. So we're still aiming towards the end of the year for, for us to have a, a good picture of what service might look like. But um, October and probably a little into November is going to be a critical time for us as a community wrestling with these these different scenarios and what, what they could mean. Thank you. Um, one thing while you were chatting, uh, this came into my head. Um, you know, we had started route redesign with the idea that all of this would merge at the end of uh, August 2022, that we would have new uh, transfer facilities at Bob Billings and Crestline and new one downtown, and we'd have new routes to uh, use on all of those. Um, have we changed the uh, goals of this committee for this subcommittee when once now we know the uh, downtown transfer location isn't going to be built with the same timeline as the Bob Billings and Crestline one? It's a great question. So Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager, uh, we are still moving forward with the same the same goals. So we, we still have our um, uh, assumption that we want no more than five vehicles to be transferring downtown at the same time. Now for the next year, the next extra year that will be happening at our current temporary transfer location on the 700 block of Vermont. But we don't anticipate that whatever location we get downtown, uh, if it's in that core area, it's not going to have a dr dramatic impact on, on routing to and from 
to and from downtown. So we're, we're still pushing towards that, that date with the same goals in mind. It will just be that those, those five buses coming downtown won't yet have quite as good of um, transfer experience as we hope they will soon. Understood. Thank you. Uh, do any other uh, PTAC members have uh, questions about route redesign? Okay. Hearing none, uh, thank you, August, uh, Freddie, and Adam for that update. Uh, next item on the agenda is miscellaneous uh, transit staff items, uh, electric bus projects, bus stop amenities, uh, a draft ArcGIS dashboard, and an idea about taking a group ride somewhere. So uh, take it away, Adam. Yes, thank you. Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So we'll start with electric bus project. So tomorrow night on the commission's agenda, we have a consent item for the next step in charging infrastructure. So uh, the consent item is to purchase um, uh, purchase the actual components that will be mounted at our maintenance facility. So the um, charging boxes and the dispensers used to plug into the, the vehicles. We are um, currently working with university. We've already got you know, approval to be doing the construction work. We expect that construction work to start in about a month, maybe a little longer, um, to get all the site prep that we need out of the maintenance facility. So the new concrete pads that the chargers will be mounted on and all the conduit and wiring that needs to be included out there. Uh, Westar is bringing some power um, around the side of a property to a more advantageous location for us. So all of that work is is ongoing and in, in preparation for these actual pieces arriving. Um, but tomorrow we take the next step in getting approval for that so that um, in early 2022, January, February, we'll, we'll get these charging infrastructure components, bolt them in the ground and be ready to go for, for buses to arrive. Um, first bus will get here on March um, no earlier than March 1st of 2022. And we'll have all five of them by May 1st. So uh, in a couple months there. I will note um, one other thing that we're working on details for, but uh, comfortable sharing it at this point, is we have worked to get a demo Gillig electric bus here for September 25th. There's an electric vehicle showcase as part of the Hot Rod Hullabaloo. Um, I will be in attendance with my electric car. Wonderful. So um, so if you want an early look at the type of bus we'll have, it'll be the exact same model. It's a 40-foot Gillig electric bus um, that will be staged there. And um, a representative from Gillig will be here to talk with folks as well. Um, so that'll be an exciting exciting way to get the community to see, see what it looks like. Um, uh, at this point, I don't think we can commit to it driving around to give people a ride, but we are asking those questions to see if that would be possible. Um, but if nothing else, you'll be able to get on it and see see what it looks and feels like. That's what I have for electric bus. Any, any thoughts or questions on that? Not for me, that all sounds great. Thank you. Anybody else have questions? I agree with... Uh... All right, great record. So, at what date was the uh, demonstration? Will it be uh, here at South Park? 
it is September 25th. Um, I believe it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. Uh, I can't remember the exact timing. It's running through most of the morning and into the afternoon. Um, and I can't remember the exact location in South Park. It, it's probably going to be the southern end of that uh, East parking lot. It's the Rub It Up Car Show that benefits the Ballard Center. It's from 11th to 13th, South Park, East and West. So from oh, 10, okay. a, 10 a.m. to I think awards are at 3.30. So lots of food, lots of vendors, stuff like that. Yeah, it'll be well attended, uh, electric vehicles or not. <laughs> Any right, other so questions? Yes, sir. I can come back to that if there are questions. So uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager, uh, bus stop amenities. So hopefully you all have seen some of the the press that went out and the social media postings we did related to a number of new bus stop improvements that are mostly complete. We've got a few punch list items to finish up, but we are closing in on having uh, 19 stops improved all around town, new shelters, new benches, um, a lot of different collaborations between uh, different community partners. Um, there are shelters built by Peasley Tech, We've got a couple of benches from more local groups, um, uh, Lutheran Church, as well as Girl Scout Troop. Um, there are new perforated metal shelters, which are our, our next step into the prefabricated models we'll be purchasing uh, instead of the glass shelters that we have out now. Should help us a lot with uh, maintenance because uh, glass shelters tend to get um, hit by mower rocks and snowplow ice and different things like that. So uh, should help us on the maintenance side of things. And they, they look really, really great. So um, you have a chance to check out some of those. They're, they're quite literally all over town. So we'll, we'll keep, keep moving on, on that and trying to improve our bus stops. I do have a ArcJS dashboard. That's a draft right now that I wanted to bring up. We had brought some, uh, dashboard draft to you uh, to this group. Uh, gosh, it's probably been close to a year ago now with everything else that's happened. But um, this did fall down our priority list a little bit, but has has come back and we, we've been working on it. And what I will show you here oops. Sorry, let me share this one more time. Okay, so what we're looking at here is um, a pretty early iteration of what this dashboard could look like. It's it's certainly, we definitely needed something that would help us in our own analysis work when we needed to quickly spot, you know, where our shelters were at in town, um, where our benches were, you know, we have trash service that we need to manage. So knowing where our trash cans are located so we can work with contractors. Um, you know, identifying stops that are kind of maintained known by KU um, in the system. If we wanted to kind of zero in on um, our current phase of sites, so these 19 sites that we improved recently, um, this is a way to, to kind of quickly 
see what's going on at each of those sites. Um, and there's a host of information related to each, each point. Um, so this is still, you know, I, I, I quite like how this has come together. It's still very much an analysis tool. We're working with um, some of our GIS staff. They have a slightly different idea for a perhaps better way to, um, to present this to the public that, that's maybe a little less technical, but still, still dynamic like this. Um, I want to just give you an, an early look at it and uh, get your thoughts. I think part of this too, we imagine, um, you know, we, we want people to be able to kind of see what's coming up. What are the next sites we're going to work on? Um, if they're curious about where shelters and benches are, if, if people want to look at a specific stop and see a picture of it, um, that's not a functionality we have yet, but um, it's one it sounds like we can have where there will be a link to a, a photo for every single stop. Um, so it's a, a tool we've been working on and we, it's gonna, it definitely has already provided a lot of analysis value to staff, but we're excited about um, also just the transparency and added value for the general public on, on what we're doing. And I'll, I'll probably leave it at that if there are any thoughts or questions about this effort. Hello, Eklund PTAC member. We actually have almost 36,000 average weekday passengers. That is the neighborhood we're in, yeah. So this combines um, our current ridership um, looks back pretty far. We, we, need to, we need to tighten up how we're measuring ridership by stop more consistently as we move through this. But right now it's pointing, I believe, to September 2019 data, average passengers per weekday at each stop and combining that. Um, so that number is certainly one uh, that is, uh, you know, during a semester time period, that number will be less when KU's not in semester. But yes, an, an impressive number for sure. Very good. Um, and um, there might be an answer, but I just don't know about this already. Uh, will this particular map, is this accessible to the public? and? Where do they find it, if it is? Yeah, good question. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. This is um, this is a sneak peek for, for you and the, the public at large. We haven't yet got it to a place where we've we've made it public. We, um, we've got a number of things we just want to tighten up. And like I said, I think GIS staff has a slightly different platform they're looking at, you know, still in the Esri bank of, of, uh, of platforms, but maybe not this specific layout. So we're, we're hoping to make this public as, as soon as we can, um, but still have some work to do. Uh, just a couple of quick examples, you know, I think when you click on an individual stop right now, we've got, we've got just way too much information. That's probably not helpful to the public at large. Um, so we need to figure out how to, how to best communicate some of that. Um, I mentioned the photos not being in there. Our phasing, I think we'll, we'll want to work a little bit on the naming conventions of these so people really know what they're looking at. You know, if, if people are curious what the next round of improvements is going to look like, um, we've got some work to do there to make that uh, easy to navigate and transparent. So not quite, Gregory, but hopefully very soon. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Does anyone else have any questions 
before we uh, go to the last item. Okay, hearing none, uh, let's uh, talk about the last item then. All right, so Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, so last item I put on here, I just wanted to see, I wanted to gauge interest in perhaps non-traditional PTAC meeting in the future. Um, you know, we, we always have plenty of things to put on the agenda, <laughs> um, but I do think there, there could be value in having this group be more familiar with bus operations and the maintenance facility. Um, and was just thinking about the idea of us taking a group ride out to the maintenance facility for a quick tour, or we could visit one of the new bus stop improvements to talk about the anatomy of a bus stop and, you know, all the different components that we try to fit in and make it accessible and, and um, you know, the different street things we worry about, like drain inlets and sight distance and things like that. Um, it could be a practical trip where we show, we, we demonstrate what it's like to go to the grocery store and back, um, you know, something like that. So I just wanted to throw some of that idea out there and see if there was any interest in us doing that as a PTAC meeting, kind of a, essentially a study session like thing where there's not really any action from it. It's, it's more of a experience the system type of thing um, or separate from a PTAC meeting, we could organize it on a, after hours or weekend or, or something to that effect. Um, so just really interested in anything uh, anyone would have to say. I'll jump in, uh, Mike Wazikowski chair. I, I think it's a good idea. I don't necessarily like the idea of doing it in lieu of a uh, regularly scheduled PTAC meeting because we do have, uh, obviously we're at two minutes before 5.30 and we have chatted a lot about a lot of different topics. I don't anticipate that's gonna change. So I would say, let's figure out a time outside of our normal PTAC meetings to uh, make this happen. Does anyone else have any uh, comments, questions, concerns about that? I Go ahead, Alan. Oh, Al Ackland, PTAC member. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And having it outside the normally scheduled meeting time, I think, also gives the flexibility to have more than just one time to do it. To get a couple of different times to try to, you know, capture everybody's schedule. But uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea to have some hands-on uh, experience, and it, it always always is enlightening to uh, to know what you're talking about. August, you were saying something. I, you and uh, Alan basically said what I was going to say. I think it's a great idea. And I think it'd be really informative and fun. Well, uh, I think the best way forward then is uh, next time uh, Adam Lance and myself meet, we'll uh, come up with a handful of times that we think might work for uh, such a uh, after hours or weekend uh, ride along, whatever that is. And uh, we will send out an invite to everyone to advise on which options work, which ones don't work, and we'll figure out what to do in terms of an actual schedule to make uh, make as few trips work for as many of us as possible. Does that sound good to you, Adam? Yes, that sounds great. Thank you. 
All right, uh, that is our uh, last agenda item. So unless there is something that someone has uh, burning to get off their chest right now. Uh, in that situation, uh, I say we adjourn. Our next meeting is scheduled for October 11th and uh, look forward to seeing you all then. Thank you very much for your time and effort today. Thanks everyone. Thank you all.